Lord God in heaven, we bow before thee in our hearts. We acknowledge thee as the, the Lord and Father of all, the one who created this world, the one who made each one of us, the one who is far above this time and, and, and this space, who, who is outside it and bigger and larger than it, and yet is here, intimately involved with each one of us, who knows the thoughts of our hearts, who speaks now through thy word, thy living and powerful word. Dear Father, we, we rejoice in thy presence. We, thy people, those that have believed on Jesus Christ, weak as we are, poor as we are, few in number as we are, dear Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we come before thee this morning hour to worship thee, to give thee honor and praise. Dear Father, thou art surrounded by angelic beings, hosts of heaven without number that we haven't even seen one of them. We, 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 would, uh, we would just be undone by that sight, let alone the sight of thee, and yet thou dost delight, thou dost look down to hear the praise from our lips, to see the thoughts of our hearts, to examine us, dear Jesus. Examine thy church. Help us to walk aright on that way to Zion. Dear Father, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to turn with the the help of the Lord for this morning's meditation to the epistle to the Ephesians chapter two, uh, chapter three, Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians chapter three, starting with verse one. <clears throat> for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. <coughs> Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, 
I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I read to the end of the chapter. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's bow. Our Heavenly Father and Lord God, we thank Thee for this opportunity we have to be gathered in Thy house. We see that right from the very beginning, it was always in Thy Father heart to bring about reconciliation, a union, a joining together of all nations unto Thee. What a blessing it is that we can now, with open eyes, look back and see this plan and how it was put together in such a wonderful way that thy Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, came to, to bring many sons to glory, as thy word says. We're thankful that we have been gathered together around the truth this morning hour. We're thankful that we have been brought into unity through the salvation that is only available through Jesus Christ. And we're thankful that there is no division, no barrier now between Jew and Gentile, between uh, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Heavenly Father, what a glorious truth this represents, and we want to praise Thee for it. Even though we are few in number this morning, our thoughts and our prayers would go also to uh, the gathering in Kitchener for the baptismal service. We're thankful that the door of grace is yet open, that men and women are still being added unto this great body of believers, awaiting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will set all things right. The world around us is a confusing place, a troubled place, a place full of hatred and strife, characterized by violence and evil. But Heavenly Father, it is not thy will that it should remain so forever. In the fullness of time, thou wilt also return. And so we long for that day and we praise thee for it, Heavenly Father, expecting it in faith. Be with those that are going through difficulties, dear Lord. We're mindful of many that have chronic conditions or uh, difficult medical circumstances and are depending on Thee, are, are leaning on Thy strength, are looking to Thee for comfort and peace. Heavenly Father, we add our prayers also to theirs and ask that Thou would provide for them both peace and healing, strength, courage to endure, that Thou may be glorified in their life and in our church. Be with those who are spreading the gospel throughout this world in spite of persecution and danger and even death. 
Let thy word continue to go forth in power, dear Lord. We pray for this. Be with those that could not be with us now because they are aged or uh, otherwise hindered. Provide them also with a blessing, Heavenly Father, even as we anticipate a blessing now from thee. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've been keeping track, but um, the last several sermons, maybe not consecutively, but I've been led to, to preach out of uh, the epistle to the Ephesians. I don't, I don't think I've ever done that before, to preach consecutively out of a, a book. Uh, I know other brothers have. It's good to do that from time to time. But my, I, f- I feel the leading of the Lord to focus on this epistle in these times that we're living in. And for the reason of reminding all of us that that name the name of Christ, what a glory his church is, what a plan he has planned for us. Just maybe because of the recent events, we know how things have gone in the past little while, the challenges to, to getting together, and maybe even the, the, the temptations uh, for divisions to develop and, and, and um, stresses to be placed on the body of Christ. I think it's, it's incumbent on us, it's important for us to, to see God's big plan for the church, to see that glorious plan and to be excited about it, not to be um, think, well, Things will just go on as they were. We'll, we'll limp along, as it were. We'll, we'll, we'll get by somehow. But to see God's plan working out and growing and spreading. And I think as we keep that in mind, as we focus on that, God does things. As we focus on him and his purposes, God brings us through. It's when we look around, when we look at the waves, when we look at the issues that we're facing, and what about this, and how should we react to that, that's when we get overwhelmed. It's as we look at God's word, as we look at his glorious plan that he then reminds us, he pulls us back into how we ought to respond, how we ought to care for for each other. So we've covered Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 so far, and um, much of it is above me. Much of it is, even, even this chapter, the, the language is, is, is so beautiful and powerful, but it's the, the big plan. Chapter 1 was that cosmic pre-cosmic plan of God. Before the earth was created, before the world was made, his plan in Christ Jesus, and that you and I, who have believed in Christ Jesus, were part of, that he had planned for. That was his big chapter one, uh, his plan that he had. And, and then we entered into that plan by trusting in, in the Lord Jesus. And uh, he ends the, 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 the end of the first chapter with, saying how in the end of all time, Christ Jesus will be over all. He, he is now at the right hand of God the Father, but in the end of all things, it will be apparent he will put all things under his feet. He hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So he ends chapter one saying, the church is part of this, this glorious pre-cosmic plan of God that he has planned. And we are part of that. Then chapter 2, he talks about 
dead in sins, being made alive in Christ. And how this is also each one of us individually as we are made alive, as we believe in Jesus Christ, as we leave those things that, that are part of that dead former life, we become new creatures, we're made a new man. And we become, again, end of chapter two, part of this holy temple, this habitation built of God through the Spirit. This chapter three is, uh, I think that the, the final, he ends it with this beautiful prayer, which is, is wonderful. But I almost think that whole first part of that chapter three is so that we can now understand the context, the purpose of this prayer, why Paul is praying this. We can understand uh, God's intention and purpose for the church before we get into the practical, chapters four, five, and six, the, the very practical instructions about how we ought to treat one another, how we should uh, uh, forbear with each other, how we should leave that former life, how we should, husbands and wives should deal with each other, how children should, should obey their parents, etc. And you, you see, he spends that time, and I think we need to do that too. You know, it's, it's maybe we would like to, or we want something concrete, tell me what to do, uh, give me the instructions, the practical instructions, take out of God's word, we need to spend the time in the, the, the bigger picture, the vision, what God has planned, both to, to motivate and to inspire us, to, to move us in that direction. Because if we just focus on the do and what should I do, how should I, I think we would quickly, um, we'd run out of gas. The, 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 um, we'd quickly uh, realize we we're trying to do things on our own power but as we look to Jesus as we see his plan that should encourage us so this chapter 3 here it's really uh, the main focus of it is this beautiful prayer that he that he begins um, on and about uh, verse 14 where he says for this cause I bow my knees and it leads me to believe that the, the, the beginning of the chapter he intended to start that prayer for this cause but then he explains all of the the context for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Now he has to explain his own purpose, the situation that he is currently in. And he is currently in a jail cell writing this letter. And the reason is that he is there is not a government. It's not a, the government of Rome or um, his, his uh, Jewish brethren that are his enemies. No, the reason is, the purpose is Jesus Christ, and it is for the Gentiles. Sometimes we, we might get a little lost in the epistles. Acts is a great companion to the epistles. Acts kind of gives us that framework, helps us to understand, especially for Paul's letters, helps us to understand the whole context of why Paul is writing these letters, where, what's the purpose of them. And you can read it. If you go back all the way to... Um, the start of Paul's ministry, right? 13, chapter 13 of, of Acts... Um, how it's revealed to Paul, and uh, uh, they start preaching. They first always are careful to, to preach first to the Jews, that, that was Christ was sent first to the nation of Israel in every city that they go to. But then, as many of those Jews reject that message, then they turn to the Gentiles, and they indeed do that. Uh, here, verse 46, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Here he's quoting the Old Testament. 
that fact that salvation would come to the Gentiles was not hidden. That's not the mystery that Paul is referring to here in chapter 3. That was prophesied. It was in the Old Testament. Salvation would come to the Gentiles, those that were outside the, the Jewish nation. The mystery he refers to, the, the, the mystery that should get us super excited here in chapter 3 is that we are one in Christ. That there is no, no more two separate, it's, there's a, a Jewish believer and a Gentile believer. No, there is one person in Christ. And that's what should get us excited here and today about gathering of believers. The, the, the living together of believers in fellowship is that we are one in Christ. That should, that great mystery which is revealed, and maybe I should spend a little bit of time when we say the word mystery, doesn't, it's not the typical English usage, like when we say mystery, we mean some sort of vague and mysterious thing. No, the, the Greek word, which is mysterion, it refers to something that was hidden and is now revealed. Something that God had hid, was not known, as he says here, um, in, um, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. It was hidden, but now God has revealed it. And he used Paul, and he used others, Peter too, to reveal this mystery, this great truth that he had hidden, that he is making of disparate peoples, of many different, of you and me and anyone else who will believe in Jesus Christ, he is making of all those separate people one. And this is the glorious mystery of the church. This is what Paul is in prison for. This is why he's sitting in a prison cell, because those that don't like that, uh, you can see that reaction right away in, in chapter 13. They're moved with envy, the, 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 those that, that oppose Paul's message. They don't like that message. They react to it, uh, maybe because they think we have an exclusive claim on God. And anyone who thinks that they have an exclusive claim, that they are special, that they have a, you know, a special status with God, they are not going to like this message, this glorious mystery of the church. The only exclusive claim in the Bible of access to God is through Christ Jesus. All who believe on Christ Jesus, all who confess him and live according to his, walk according to his steps, have access, are part of this glorious church. And those that don't like that, 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 that think I'm somehow special, I'm set apart from those people, they don't like that truth. We have to realize this is a glorious truth, that he has taken each one of us who were poor, lost sinners, we, each one of us on our own, think of all the different paths we could have taken. Oh, it would have been maybe would be great in the eyes of the world to get accomplished this or that, but in the end, we would have been miserable, lost, lonely people. He's taken that, he's taken each one of us, and now made something new of this through Christ Jesus. And the Jews that opposed that message, they didn't like that. They hated it. They, they were moved with envy. And then it went all the way, if you keep on going through Acts, until he gets to, to um, Jerusalem again in the temple. He comes to bring alms for his nation, as he says to Felix, I think, to bring alms for his nation and to bring offerings. And his enemies, those Jews of Asia that, that knew what he was up to in Asia Minor, preaching the gospel, they find him in the temple and then they, they give some spurious accusation that he took, he had defiled the temple. He brought, brought Gentiles in, which I don't think he would have. 
and big mob, they're going to go about to kill him. You know the story in Acts 21. And uh, the Roman uh, guard that's there, they kind of pluck him out of that situation, but, but he kind of, I guess he must be removed from above the crowd, maybe standing on some steps there with Roman soldiers guarding the steps, and he's given an opportunity now to make a defense of himself. And he does. He had, they says they got quiet when they heard him addressing them in the Hebrew tongue. And he shares his testimony, shares his, um, what the Lord, uh, where he's from. I was brought up in a believing home. He says, I was a Jew born of Tar- in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia. I was a good Jew. I persecuted these Christians. I was, I was just like you in so many ways. And then the Lord on the road to Damascus. And they hear all this. They don't really object to it. The point where they just lose it, and again shows why Paul is in prison. The point that they lose it. Uh, and he's saying, when the blood, verse 20, when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. Basically, I was in your steps not too long ago in this, in this very city in Jerusalem, maybe just where they were or just steps from where they were. And he said, Jesus said to me, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. They lost it at this point. And it again shows that's really, you know, if he, if he had been, if, if the situation had been diffused and, and they'd listened to his defense, maybe things would have but God had a different plan, and that's why he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. It's because he is preaching, he is revealing this mystery that was hid, that God is intending to make of disparate peoples one, one new man, one church that, uh, that he is in, in prison. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, and then he explains this dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, to you, word. It was revealed. It was something that was hidden, and it was revealed to him. You and I are not Paul. I think we, we can accept that. We can understand that. He, Paul was, uh, the, the, the Bible uses a, a chosen, uh, the term a chosen vessel. It was a special individual that was set apart that God used specially. He told them beforehand, this is what's going to happen. But in another way, you and I are like Paul too. We have the same. We have been given a dispensation of grace from God to others. God has given us special grace through the knowledge of the gospel to share with others, to affect others. Paul had that heart. Every city he went to in, in, in uh, Asia Minor and then in Greece, he had that knowledge. I have been given special grace from God to share who, among all these Gentile people that are swirling around me in this marketplace, who will respond to the gospel? Who will, who will turn and be converted and, and become part of his glorious church? You and I have been given the same dispensation. The same, that, that word dispensation also means stewardship the same responsibility. When I was thinking last night as I was driving into our neighborhood as we were coming home, I was thinking, God has given me a dispensation of grace to these people, to the people that I meet and come in contact with, to share the gospel, to, to show them this mystery 
You have been given a dispensation in your classroom, in your workplace, a special gift of God through your knowledge of the gospel. Which reminds me that, that evangelism, sharing of the gospel, is not simply just a sharing of your personal testimony. Though it is, it starts with that. Paul often started with that, and, and it's, that's the good place to start, to say, this is how the Lord changed me. This is a truth. It doesn't stop there. It goes on to this. Come, join us. Join this group of believers that I'm a part of, this local church here that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is part of this glorious plan. That is part of what I need to share, too. Sometimes I've caught myself feeling this way, too. Sometimes as you kind of almost feel um, apologetic or, or shameful. Uh, well, I, I don't really want them to come to my church or, you know, we're just small in number. You know, it would be better if they went somewhere here or somewhere that's a poor reflection on God. Not a poor reflection on you and I. We don't really matter too much. It's a poor reflection on God and my trust in him, in his ability to work here in this local body, and my belief that we are part of this glorious plan. Come, see us. We're poor in number. We're, we're, not, we're no one great. We're no one special. But we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're part of his glorious plan. Come, join us. I'm not speaking as a partisan here or uh, that we're the only ones or, or we want somehow, we have some numbers game, we need to build up our numbers. No, that's not it at all. God has his glorious church all over the face of this globe. It is spreading in ways that we don't know, we don't understand. Um, maybe if, if we had knowledge from a human perspective, maybe we wouldn't agree. But through the Spirit, God has his people everywhere that he is working and his glorious plan of salvation. You're in my responsibility. The dispensation, the stewardship that has been given to us is to share that here and now, is to live it out here and now with our brothers and sisters here. And God give us the grace to do that. Paul was given a special dispensation of grace. He was made a minister, a servant of this gift of grace. And the way he refers to himself kind of leaves no room for us uh, to give any excuses. He says, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. He says, I'm at the bottom of the pile here. Uh, I'm the less than the least. Uh, um, I don't think this was some false humility, some false show. He's saying, I'm the least. So you and I, even if we think we're the least, and maybe we should think we're the least, that's a healthy place to start. That's no excuse not using, not responding, not working with the, the dispensation, the, the grace of God that's been given to us to, to witness of him, to be uh, uh, excited and motivated to live uh, as part of this body of believers. Not only that, not only do we have no excuse uh, in terms of uh, 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 we can humble out from it, but we have no excuse in what's the... the, the um, the tools we've been given, he says, in whom, in Christ Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence, confidence in him, by the faith of him. So, you and I have access through Jesus Christ to respond, to do, to go and to share, to, to preach that gospel in our lives, in our words, in the way we interact with, with other people around us. We have that access to ask that in confidence. It's not a Oh, I don't know. Will he, won't he? God has a perfect plan, and he is accomplishing it, and you and I have a choice here and now to, to be part of that plan or not. 
this was Paul's, this is what really drove him and excited him and what kept him going sitting in a prison cell. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That's a, a beautiful term. The fellowship, the, 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 the group, the koinonia, the commonness that's gathered around this mystery that is now revealed. The, the church through Christ Jesus that has been created. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. This is, this is God's plan for us. This is God's plan for the people in this room this morning. That he would use us to show heavenly beings who have a much deeper knowledge of spiritual matters, of what's the, the, the spiritual realm, the realm that really matters, the, the, that's really important. They have a much deeper knowledge of that to show them truths about himself, his manifold wisdom. That's incredible. That's an incredible statement. That God would use you and me, our interaction with each other, our belief and trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to show angelic beings, principalities and powers in heavenly places to show them his wisdom, his manifold wisdom, his, all the different aspects of his wisdom. That means that I, I don't even really truly understand the full import and the full weight of my interaction with you, my care for you, my, my, um, my functioning in this body. There is something far bigger. There's a, there's a, there's a whole other dimension to this that, that I'm not, unless I'm in the spirit and walking in the spirit, I don't even see. Uh, and I need to have my eyes open to that. There are angelic beings. There is a realm. There are principalities and powers in heavenly places that are watching. And they will glorify God depending on what we do, how we interact. That gives a whole other aspect to things too. If I want to praise God, it is one thing to... to do that on a personal level uh, with my heart as I, as I sing to him and as I praise him, but it's, it's a different almost uh, aspect as I interact with other people, as I bear along with them, maybe as I'm long-suffering, as I extend um, kindness to them. That's a different realm of praise. Paul, having said all this, explained the whole reason I'm in prison now, okay, wherefore I desire that ye faint not and my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And maybe that's where we need to take things to for us in this day and age. These are not persecution as the, as the church has experienced it in times past by any stretch. We're not, the doors are not barred. We're, we're uh, not, have not gone underground um, yet. Um, but there is difficulty, there is tribulation, there is a testing of bonds, there is a testing of commitment to the body. Do I see God's purpose in purifying his church, in strengthening and um, testing me as a member of that body in this, in what's going on here? Or is it just, this is just so inconvenient, this is so awkward, I wish everything would return to normal, let's, let's just... We'll get to the end of this and let's even forget that it happened. Or am I being seeing the big picture of not fainting at the tribulations that God has placed on us, whatever they are, the testing, the, the, 
because it is um, going to work ultimately for his glory and for ours, which is for your glory. So finally we get to, I think, what was probably in those first, uh, the first half of the chapter, a big digression, but a needful digression, explaining all that this revelation to the Gentiles, God's plan, his purpose, how he wants to use the church to glorify himself, to now Paul gets to the purpose of this chapter, this beautiful prayer in verse 14. And it's a prayer right to the end. You can tell it's a prayer because you say, I bow on my knees, and he ends with amen, which is usually how we pray too. But his vision, his desire for the church is, uh, I think my prayers, I'm like an infant. You know, I'm like a... um, Someone that's just learning the ABCs versus someone who is, can give you an eloquent discourse. Paul goes right to what we really need. He, he goes, um, first of all, he honors and glorifies his Father in heaven. I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This is the God who wants to encompass, who is big enough to encompass all of, of, of creation, everything. Everyone who wants to be part of him, and that's really the only dividing point in the end, will be those that don't want a part of him, don't want anything to do with God, don't want to be under his lordship, and those that come under his lordship. That, in the end, will be in the family or out of the family. That will be the one defining uh, thing. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, I'm going to, to, to pray to God. I'm going to ask him that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I think any of us that are um, realistic, we know our own weaknesses. We know our own failings, the failing that first of all on on the level of our heart, the doubts, the, the, um, the wonderings, is this really God's purpose? Is this, how's this gonna turn out? Things need to start there. We need to first ask the Lord, strengthen me in the inner man. Speak to my heart. Give me that, that strengthening through your spirit to understand your purposes and plans. Before anything happens on the exterior, before you deal with this illness or this uh, financial difficulty or whatever it is that I'm going through, this relationship, strengthen me in the inner man. With might, by his spirit in the inner man, start that in my heart, dear Father. That's my prayer. And how is this done? You can find that out as the prayer goes on. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. This happens then as I realize that, yes, through faith, I believe that Jesus Christ is living and abiding in me. That's a great place to start every prayer. It's a great place to to, to start every... um, Difficulty as we struggle with something to, is to realize, first of all, no, I believe through faith that Christ lives in me. Who's going to stand against that? What's going what's to overcome that? I have the Lord of the universe who one day will be over all and, ever, and in, in all, who is now at the right hand of God the Father. I have him inside me, dwelling inside me through faith. Not, not necessarily a, a feeling that I'm really feeling it right now, but I know through faith this is true. So not only that, but now from being rooted and grounded in love, 
starting from love and in, in, the, in the, the, the good soil of love, I am able now to grow and to understand and to see God's love because that's, that's the, the center portion of this prayer. His prayer, his desire for us, uh, for everyone that names the name of Christ that, that is part of this church is to understand, to comprehend, to see what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of God's love, to know the love of Christ. And this is ultimately, this is the fuel, this is the thing that, that, that makes the, the church uh, an habitation for God through the Spirit. It's not some mental knowledge, we know this, or even some sort of arid faith in terms of mental assent. It is that love of Christ which lives and abides. This is how they shall know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. And it's not a surface sort of pleasantries. We just get along and everything's okay. No, no, he says, find the, the, all the dimensions of this love, the breadth, how, how much it encompasses, how wide it goes, how much it can cover of your sins and my sins, of our uh, friction with each other, of, 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 of the, the varieties and differences of people, the breadth, the length of it, how long it endures, how long it goes. It goes from all eternity past. It will go to the future, the depth of it, how deep Christ went to save each one of us, the height of it, how, how, how much he brings us up. And to know this, to be, to be able to comprehend it, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. We'll never understand it. We'll never get to the bottom of it. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That is mind-boggling. The Lord that we prayed to this morning, the God that we addressed as we began this service, the God of the universe who is outside of time and is beyond uh, a space uh, to be filled with him, the fullness of God? What makes this understandable and um, achievable? I, I even want to say achievable, though none of us, like Paul says, none of us have attained yet. It's achievable. It's not some is Christ. Christ was filled with the fullness of God. I don't think there was some special light shining off him or some halo surrounding him like you see in some of the medieval pictures. It was as John says, he was the one we handled and touched and heard and saw. That's the life that we saw. That was the eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested. We saw this. It was in the person, the body of Jesus Christ. It can be in you and us too. This fullness of Christ in us all together, the body of Christ. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then this beautiful closing to this prayer that, that uh, wraps it all up. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. It's a great term right there. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. I love those two things. The one thing he says... The God who can do so much more than we could imagine in, in so many more ways than we could even ask, but according to the power that works in us, the power we have already experienced, the power that we have seen in our lives to be converted, to be changed, to leave sin, to profess Christ, to walk in a way that pleases him. According to that power, he's going to work now 
in a way that you don't even understand or can even uh, you know ask for unto him that person unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end forever and ever amen what a glorious prayer that's a prayer that each one of us need to have in our heart this morning hour as we contemplate the, the glory of, of God that he has planned through his church, weak as we are, poor as we are, God's glorious plan of salvation, it's something that should excite us and motivate us. Uh, there's no excuse that we can humble out. There's no excuse that we don't have the tools. There is all the reason, the love of Christ. May the Lord bless his word.